future where you and I are going to spend the rest of our lives. Really? I'm looking forward to it. Yes, and I hope you're all looking forward to the premiere episode of So To Speak. Okay, guys, welcome to So To Speak. My name is Evan Mead. This is Lau Groniker. Hello. And we are coming to you live from Toronto, Ontario, Canada. In a basement apartment we like to call... The Android Dungeon! Yes, the Android Dungeon. It's been a wonderful home we've had for the past little while, and we decided to just uh, come up with this fun little show to bring to you any topic under the sun that has to do with entertainment, news, um, the stuff we all like to talk about, so to speak. (laughs) (laughs) We're so clever. Alright, so today we're going to talk about some of the worst movies ever made, because people really like to dwell on the negative side of films. I really have noticed that. And by the way, uh, some little background on us. Um, I, Evan, am a uh, filmmaker graduate from the Toronto Film School, and I graduated about seven years ago. I have made two short films, uh, three actually, sorry. And um, I'm also prepping to make a feature documentary uh, that will go into production at some point when COVID-19 gets under control. I also write. Uh, I've been published a few times. And uh, so that's a little bit about me. So why don't we talk about you, Lau? Well, much like Evan, I am a film student, graduate, and I graduated five years ago. And I uh, like... Nice walks along the beach and rock climbing. <laughs> oh, wow. Just kidding. I also have uh, two shorts. Well, I got one short done and I got one underway. Would have been done by now, but, you know, pandemic and all that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I uh, hope to make a writing a few feature scripts at the moment since I have so much time on my hands. A few? Yeah, I got a couple under my belt. Oh, wow. Like, I'm having a hard enough time, like, juggling just one feature film. Your buddy here's over here doing two. That's oh, incredible. Hopefully they're a lot better than the films we're going to be talking about tonight. Oh, yes. So, you actually had a really good tangent going on, like, because, you know, people do dwell on the negatives when they talk about movies more so than the good. I mean, there is room to talk about the good, but we'll get to that one later. Yeah. So, yeah. for now... Let's, uh, let, we got a list here of the films that are considered the worst. Who yeah. considers them the worst, though? You know, <laughs> the thing that makes Roger, uh, Siskel and Ebert actually stand out from other critics at the time that they first, like, got their little show going was that they didn't talk about movies the way normal critics did. They basically sat down, like, two Joes who you would watch a movie with, like, in your apartment at home or on a Saturday night, and they didn't talk like they were all snobbish and cynical about movies. They talk like just average moviegoers who aren't very well-versed in film, but they know when they see something good and they know when they see something really bad, and that's what, that was the charm of their show. I will say they did have pretty good, uh, pretty good chemistry together. They really did. For what, for, uh, yeah, for what it was worth. Alright, so this list is dating back all the way to the 1930s. Wow, so... Evan, were you alive during the 1930s? Uh, my grandparents were barely coming into their own at that time. Oh, my dude. Yeah. How about that? Yeah, we're a bunch of... I guess, would we be Gen Y or the tail end of Gen X? 
Because I was born in 92 and you were 95, so... Yeah. So we have a unique perspective on all of this art at this... We, we were born in one of the most fascinating times in, like, not just movie history, but, like, the history of the world, too. Yeah. Yeah, the 90s were pretty great. I wish I was a little bit more aware of it when I was around. So was, so, so do I, man. Alright, so let's begin this list. We got 1930s here. It starts with Maniac. Um, I haven't, uh, seen all of this movie, but it's on YouTube. You can kind of, like, I, I kind of just stream through it. And for, I, I kind of stopped at a part in the movie where, like, this mad scientist rips an eyeball out of a cat. Jesus Christ. I think it was a, I'm pretty sure it was a fake eye. I, like, posted yeah. a comment, and it's like, Jesus, that's sick. Yeah, so it's, no it's, animals were harmed, hopefully, in the making of this schlock. I think that's the best way to describe it, because it looked like schlock. I, I, I don't have much to say, but I think any movie is like, a mad scientist Well, I do have one question. Uh, a lot of movies, like, cl- from the class, this classic era of film, from the 30s and the 20s, well, I mean, the 20s, uh, that's when, like, they were silent films, and then the talkies came a little later. Well, this is around the time where Frankenstein and Dracula were coming out. So yes, yes. I think everyone were trying was trying to make like a universal horror. Now, film. the inspirations for Batman, like one of the most iconic superheroes ever, came from several movies that came out around roughly this time period. There was a movie called The Bat, which is literally about a bat and a man who tries to capture it, and the inspiration that inspired the hero, and then the villain. The Joker was inspired by a short film. Uh, I don't know if it was a short film or a feature, but the man who laughs. Like, did that movie I know inspired the Joker? Did Maniac, for the sake of curiosity, have any inspiration for the Joker character? I don't think so. I know it was the man who laughs. But... I mean, as I said, I haven't seen the whole thing, but yeah. I'm pretty sure this has no bearing on. Uh... If you want to see a good Maniac film, there's one in the 70s that has Joe Spinell in it. That's a lot better. Go, oh, okay. Go watch that one. Yeah. Now, just for the record, I'd like to throw this out. We're, we're both avid moviegoers, and, like, uh, Lyle's tolerance for bullshit, like, on screen is, I would make, as an educated guess, I would say it's a little lower than my tolerance for bullshit is, but... All my life, I didn't really know what a bad movie was until I got into high school. Like, when I was a kid, I genuinely just loved going to the movies um, as I started to grow up, and I liked watching movies. I didn't really have any movies that I like, hated, per se, but uh, I didn't learn to do that until I like was in, was in high school and was learning to understand the craft a little bit better. But there is one movie that we're going to talk about later that made me cringe as a kid, and that earned the title of the worst movie I've ever seen in my life, but not to get ahead of myself, so yeah, let's keep, back to yeah, you. Let's keep going on this list. Uh, Reefer Madness. I, I haven't seen this. I saw the Nostalgia Critic talk about this one. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I remember when I was younger, like, going on, like, what inspired me to look into bad movies. I think Nostalgia Critic and all that stuff kind of made me a bit more cynical about really, really lousy movies. Yeah. Reefer Madness is an... Ex- is labeled as an exploitation film and propaganda oh yeah about the horror the temptation the evilness of marijuana oh no the devil's lettuce folks yes gotta watch out malaki tabaki <laughs> <laughs> tell your children <laughs> 
Oh, God. It's like that PSA from the 80s. Like, remember where they're all dancing? Like, drugs, drugs, drugs. Ask your mom or ask your dad. Drugs, drugs, drugs. It kind of paints drugs in a positive light unintentionally. <laughs> I think I'd rather do drugs. Oh. I didn't watch that. This isn't related to bad movies, but do you remember that uh, uh, cartoon where they got literally every cartoon character in oh, existence yeah. to talk about drugs? Yeah, I remember that one. I remember watching that on a field trip to the police station in Great All Six. Right. Now, Evan, you can't talk about bad movies without talking about the granddaddy who started it all, Mr. Edward D. Wood Jr. Oh, yes. His first film being... Glenn or Glenda. And this is the, what this, correct me if I'm wrong, but this was his first collaboration with, uh, Bella Lugosi. Bella Lugosi, yes, yeah. Bella Lugosi. Yes, he appears as like a little bit of a narrator or someone who just sits in front of a camera and kind of explains what's going on, but not really. Yeah. Beware. The big green dragon that sits on your doorstep. Oh. He eats little boys. Wow. Uh, I cannot, for the life of me, explain what this movie is really about. It's more or less his kind of semi-autobiographical take on him enjoying the feeling of wearing women's clothing. Okay. That's pretty much it. And it goes on for quite a while. There's even a part in the movie where he has this nightmare sequence, and it's... Kind of just weird. He takes a lot of stock footage to kind of pad out the runtime, and it doesn't really work. But I kind of commend it because he's really putting his 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 heart and soul into it. That's the one thing I'll say about Ed Wood, and we'll see more of his movies on this list, I'm sure. But he he didn't he didn't do things in a cynical way he was ahead of his time and behind his time at the same time it was the weirdest like experience you'll ever see watching an edward film yeah. i have seen one edward film well, uh yeah. you're about to get to that but we uh, will get to i imagine this one will, the one you're talking about will definitely be on this list yeah but yeah we'll we'll talk more about edward later we have a few more others to cover robot monster oh yeah robot monster is about a a robotic monster <laughs> Basically, I, I oh, saw no this shit. movie once, and it's about this family who survives. I guess it's, it's, it's set in a post-apocalypse, I guess. It's just shot in a barren hill. And uh, they're being hunted by this uh, gorilla wearing a diver's helmet. Uh, I'm going to pull up a picture. Just oh, to show man. What the hell this thing looks like. Because it... The very look of it is laughable and awesome at the same time. Look at this thing. I remember seeing this in... Uh... A, par a genre parody uh one time and i'm like oh wow and i didn't get what it was from but yeah it looks cheesy but also I, looks nightmarish at the same I, time i kind of like, like the diving diver's helmet scared the shit out of me when i was a kid yeah oh yeah yeah uh, i kind of like the poster because he has a skull inside of his Ooh. diver helmet that's kind of intense skeletor over here yeah i don't really uh there's something kind of kitschy about this movie it, yeah. it's so cheaply made and so, like, quacky. Like, everything without the monster is boring as fuck. Oh, yeah? I'm not gonna lie. All the actors are really bad. There's not much of a story pushing it forward. Well, and the whole movie ends on a dream sequence. Well, unfortunately, when Hollywood it was... It all was... just a dream. And it's kind of a waste... It kind of makes it a waste of time. But, like... I don't know. There's something kind of lovable about it. Unlike other bad movies. I kind of... 
Get a kick out of Robot Monster. Well, when Hollywood was toying with the monster genre back then, uh, there were only a handful of monster movies, even like the first ones. Like, they weren't classics. Like, some, they became they, classics they later are, on. They, I will say, like, in the 50s, a lot of monster movies were kind of a dime a dozen. Like, you could get them anywhere. They were cheap to make. It's like, almost the entire movie is just a bunch of people wandering around trying to get the monster. And in the last 10 or... Or even in the worst cases, the last five minutes, yeah. the monster shows up, it goes, and they, they defeat it, and they win. And then the Japanese came along and changed the whole thing with Godzilla. Oh, yes. It's when where a monster actually means something. Yeah. Yeah. The, just the symbolism behind Speaking it. of radiation, let's talk about The Conqueror with Mr. John Wayne as Genghis Khan. <laughs> The Genghis Khan? The Genghis Khan. Oh, Lord. I I have not seen this movie, but I know so much about the production. It was made by, uh... It's produced by Howard Hughes. If you've seen The Aviator, you know all about Howard oh, Hughes. Yeah. He, uh, got this movie set up. Just a quick side note, uh, you've seen The Rocketeer, right? Yes. Yeah. That, that is a good movie. Apparently, like, the Howard... I still need to watch Rocketeer, but I'm told that that movie has, like, one of the they, best Howard Hughes depictions, like, you'll ever yeah, see. They, like, Leonardo DiCaprio, eat your heart out. Like, this guy is apparently... This guy, like, yeah, he was a pretty good Howard Hughes. I the Aviator say. bored me. <laughs> That's a movie that's overrated. We're going to talk about overrated uh, over, movies. You want to talk about overrated movies? Save it for another day, my yeah, son. Exactly, yeah. All right. Um, the Conqueror... The reason why I said speaking of radiation is that this film is deadly. Oh. It was shot, and I mean, I don't, I am not exaggerating, downwind from a nuclear testing range in Nevada. <laughs> so they had what? this crew, this cast and crew, shoot in an area that was actually actively radioactive, like nuclear residue was on everything in the air. Oh my and god. By 1980, as it says here, uh, 91 of the 220 members of the cast and crew was diagnosed with cancer. Over 41% of the crew. And this is a bad movie, so it wasn't even well, worth I it. Well, I mean, you got John fucking Wayne yeah. playing a Mongolian. I guess, to meet John I mean, to be on set with John Wayne, it's gotta be worth something. I, I mean, I mean, he lived, he lived a pretty long life. Yeah. He, he passed away in his 60s, I mean. I guess smoking every day probably didn't help that either. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> he's a legend. Uh, but anyways, yeah, I haven't seen The Conqueror, but, like, I can just tell it's a shit sh It's more like the behind-the-scenes yeah. is shittier than the actual movie itself, yeah. more than likely. And oh. now, <laughs> we've reached the granddaddy... Oh, I guess I already said granddaddy. The worst film, according to Jerry Seinfeld... Plan 9 from Outer Space! This one I have seen. Like, well, I was You've just seen this one. We, I've talked about movies that I've seen, but this one you have seen. Yeah, Plan 9 from Outer Space is one Glorious. of the most interesting it things. It's one of the most interesting things you'll ever see. It and is. I really gotta hand it to Edward Norton. Edward Norton? Ed Wood, sorry, sorry. He wasn't even a sperm in 1959. <laughs> oh, God. Or maybe he was. I don't know. <laughs> but Ed yeah, Wood. Uh, Ed Wood, yeah. You gotta hand it to Ed Wood for making such a uniquely uh, put-together movie. And in parts, it feels like a play. And sometimes, like, you can really tell. There's, like, one scene where they all have to talk. And the set just feels claustrophobic about something. And this scene goes on for, like, 20 minutes. And there's only, like, two camera angles they can work with. Yeah, it was very... I could tell that he shot it very yeah. quickly. Because there's so little movement or, like, direction. Yeah. 
It looks like things are very hashed together. There's a lot of shot. There, there's just a lot of problems. There's continuity errors during chase scenes. The, the, the scenes go from day to night in a single cut. A lot of the times, the monsters are just fucking around in front of a camera. Yeah. And then the people react like, oh, it's the monster. Yeah. Now, uh, in the early days of this pandemic, when fewer thing, almost nothing was open, we kind of like hunkered down uh, in our homes at night and we would get together on Netflix party and just trash... Wait, this isn't on net. This is on Netflix. It, it wasn't on Netflix. You can watch this whole thing on YouTube. A lot of these movies you can probably find on YouTube pretty easily. Oh, maybe not the best quality, but like they're public. Most of them are pretty easy to get their hands yeah. on. I think I'm not sure if Ed Wood films are now public domain. I would imagine they might be now, but yeah, you can easily find Plan Nine on YouTube. Yeah. Well, the thing about Ed Wood, yeah. So we riffed this movie, and it, it's just. I, I can't even, like, say I hate it, like, because it doesn't, like, it's not a movie that makes me cringe. It's kind of, it's kind of lovable in its, uh, incompetence. Well, one of the things I've learned about Ed Wood in, like, my brief history lesson that you've given me is that, like, this is a guy who, like, wasn't a hack. Like, he just genuinely loved the, well, he was, like, incompetent, but he, he was just, He wasn't talented, but he was not a hack. Yeah, no, see... He loved movies so much that he was willing to take every shortcut in the book to just get to the end of a project and say, I did it. Like, there are some films that filmmakers spend, like, decades on just trying to make, and then this guy made a movie in, like, a month and said, here it is. I made a movie, and this is me! And this is the last film that Bela Lugosi ever starred in. Right. From his legacy from Dracula all the way to this... Oh my god. I kind of think it's charming in a way, but I don't know. Some people feel kind of wayward about it because they just took footage that they shot, you know, a year after, a year before, like when he passed away. And then he just had this footage laying around. He's like, I'll, I'll, I'll splice him into the movie. <laughs> and he'll get top billing. Oh, wow. Even though he has about a screen presence of about, I don't know, five yeah. minutes, if that. Yeah, well, didn't, uh, didn't they do something similar with Bruce Lee after he died? Oh, yeah, Game of Death. Oh, yeah. yeah, Game of Death Two. Oh yeah, Game of Death Two. That was yeah. The one. Yeah, I have not seen that one, but oh, the Lees. They okay. Have problems. Compl- so now we're moving on to the '60s. Gone to the '60s. Uh, the Beast of Yucca Flats. Oh, we didn't mention this in Plan Nine, but there's one actor in there named Tor Johnson who was a wrestler, and he's just incredibly bad as an actor <laughs> he doesn't enunciate anything who did he play in plan nine again he was uh the inspector oh yeah yeah it felt like he, he it felt like he didn't even try to read his lines he, he was sleepwalking and like it's so hilarious when he's sticking himself out of the grave and he's trying to pull himself up but it's hard because i think he's either stuck yeah. or it's too awkward for him yeah but this movie is about what is it about? It's pretty much Tor Johnson acting like a monster, exposed to radiation from an atomic bomb, and he just wanders the fucking desert, desert mountains, and, like, attacks people for, like, quite a long time. The movie feels like hours. Okay. And it's just crap. Like, I, I think I hate it even more than Plan 9, because Plan <laughs> 9 is decent in how crappy it is but like beast of yucca flats is a waste of time yeah. it's my it's one of my least favorite movies 
Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. Santa Claus. Oh, yeah, I haven't seen this. Have you seen this? Um, I've heard a couple people's retrospective of it, so we can't really talk much about it. Uh, it helps when both of us have seen it, or one of us has seen a movie, because then, like, I can tell you, like, what's what. Yeah. So, I just know that it's one I want to see, though. Like, this Christmas, maybe. You really want to... You want to spend this Christmas watch, hunting down a uh, bootleg tape of Santa Claus Conquers the Marsh. Just the title, man. Like, it just I, jumps out at you. You know, there's a lot of classic Christmas yeah. films... I really wonder. Anyone, it's a Wonderful Life. Yeah, Elf. Wonderful Life, National Lampoon's uh, Christmas Vacation. You know, I'm wondering, like, does anyone consider this their favorite Christmas movie? Because people conv- are convinced, and they tell themselves that Die Hard is the best Christmas movie. I would agree too. It's just kind of an unusual trick. It, that didn't even come out at Christmas. It came out in like July of. I know. What year did that come out? Like '88 or '80. 80- I gotta look this up. Oh, it doesn't matter. But anyways, like, I wonder if Santa Claus conquers the Martians. I wonder if there's some troll out there who says, that's my favorite Christmas movie. Well, you know what, dude? Um, there's this YouTuber who I follow named uh, uh, Cinema Wins. He is the antithesis of Cinema Sins, who apparently is able to now fuck with movie studios because of how his fans interpret his like satire as legit criticism of movies and it's really ruining the way we talk about movies to be honest but cinema mm-hmm. wins is the antithesis of that he's this really nice guy and his philosophy whenever he points out good things about even movies that i personally don't think are very good even when he points out good things about them his philosophy is everyone's uh every movie ever made even the bad ones is someone's favorite movie at least one person's favorite movie so like uh there are people who would probably say star wars the last jedi uh, just off the top of my head is like their all-time favorite movie and i personally wouldn't like and the two each his own like i'm not the type of guy who judges people like people's quality of character based on the movies that they like like i have a a friend who i've known for like over 20 years now and one of his favorite movies or a movie that he likes i shouldn't say his favorite he thinks batman and robin is a legitimately good movie Hmm. like it's fun to laugh at yeah for sure that's the thing there's some movies on this list that i would actually go down and say i really enjoy watching them well plan nine like when we riffed it with uh when we riffed it with our buddy michael like that was a really fun time yeah that's the thing sometimes you get a bunch of guys and a couple of beers and you sit down and watch some of these it can be very entertaining some people really enjoy digging into these things and really kind of taking the piss out of them there's entire youtube channels dedicated to that yep Anyways, the next movie is Manos, The Hands of Fate. I have not sat through all the... I have not I have not personally watched this. I've seen lots of other people review it, and I pretty much just get the gist. It's basically like... That's another title that just jumps out at you. It's weird, because in Spanish, Manos means hands. So the real title is Hands, The Hands of Fate. That's kind of like when... Uh that bruce lee did that film called the big boss and it releases in america and they changed the title in the united states to fists to fists of fury and then the sequel in china is called fist of fury and then the americans are like oh shit now we got to call it the chinese connection or whatever it was that (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, martial arts movies get that the worst i think oh god 
Um, yeah, but anyways, this whole movie, I, I guess we can't talk much about it because we haven't really yeah. technically seen it. But all I know is, is that some guy, some salesman, was he had a bet that he could make a movie. and he, A horror movie, no less. And he's like, oh, I bet it, anyone can do this. Oh, yeah? And he, uh, yeah, he, uh, he, he tried. And you know what? He did. It's really it's not very it's, good, but you got it. It is super interesting when like non-film folks step into the profession. It, it that's all I'm gonna say without going into detail. It really is. Yeah. That's next. Oh, Exorcist Two: The Heretic. And now we jumped like a full decade past the last one, so we're in the seventies now. We're into the seventies now. Um. I haven't seen this. I know that it's the first one is like a classic, like the just for uh, tune, uh, viewer and listener discretion. I'm not a horror movie guy. Uh, I am. It is the genre that I am the least versed in. I have seen a couple uh, of horrors, like um, the Killing of the Sacred Deer, thanks to the pandemic, like forcing me to expand my horizons yeah, a little a, bit. It's more of a thriller. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Right, horror. So, but I have seen Nightmare on Elm Street. I still need to see uh, Friday the Thirteenth. Um, I've seen the one that doesn't have Jason in it. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, so Exorcist Two is um, it looks kind of out there. I don't really know what they were thinking with it because it has a lot of uh, odd sequences. Yeah. It's not particularly scary either. It's just goofy. Yeah. yeah, there's not much to say, really. The first Exorcist is a movie that looks so uncomfortable that I just simply refuse to watch it. Uh, Caligula. I've seen Caligula. You ever seen Caligula? Uh, I don't think so. It's an erotic historical drama. Oh. It basically details kind of like the fall of Rome. Like, just this ruler who was so nuts and so, so lewd. Played by Malcolm McDowell. Oh. Doing his, he's good. He is good. In this movie, he's basically doing his best Alex DeLarge impression. Because <laughs> they're very kind of... He's just he's just a masochist. He just loves fucking with people. Um, I don't think this movie's all that bad, actually. I don't know why it's on this list. I, get, I mean, it's crude, and there's a lot of, like, unsimulated sex in this movie. Oh. But what's wrong with that? <laughs> None of us would be here if it wasn't for unsimulated sex. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. This movie's pretty good. I, I I wouldn't say it deserves to be on a list like this. And it's a period piece too. It's a period piece. Um, well, that's why I asked you who made this list. Uh, I think it's just like, I think it's just cobbled together from various sources. Oh, uh, fair enough. Speaking of another movie that isn't necessarily deserves to be the worst of all time, we're into the nineteen eighties and we're into Heaven's Gate, directed by Michael Cimino. Oh yeah, the guy who made the Deer Hunter. Wow. Yeah, Heaven's Gate. You know what's funny? This movie's on Criterion. Yeah. It's on the Criterion Collection, and it is a very well shot movie. Like there, you can tell the level of meticulousness that was put into this, and it's like I think that might have been the downfall because it costs so much to make because he put so much time and energy and like concern into it that I think he kind of lost his way during the process like you kind of forgot that oh an audience should probably be somewhat attached to this project aside from yeah. me and i think he just lost everyone when he made it and i it bombed horribly it's like one of the worst bombs ever made 
to be honest, there there have been a couple of like real stinkers that have made it into the Criterion Library for Lord knows how. We'll get to uh, there's one I want to talk about when we get uh, to the next decade, but uh, keep going. Oh, by the way, now that we're on the '80s, uh, I looked it up. Die Hard to come back to that point came out in '88. Oh, okay, yeah. so like the tail end. Yeah. Oh, Mommy Dearest. You ever seen Mommy Dearest? Uh, heard of it. And yeah. I, I it, isn't that doesn't that get like kind of a reputation as being a classic? I don't know, like, I haven't seen it, but apparently, like, Faye Dunaway is, like, she has, like... Oh, Faye Dunaway. Faye Dunaway. She has this really iconic scene where she has, like, this meltdown on her daughter. The whole movie is basically her being cruel to her daughter. So, because it was Carrie before... Carrie came out in the 70s, wait. Yeah, it did. So, it was, like, after Carrie. Well, I mean, it's, it's not a supernatural film. It's just, like, it's a real-life depiction of um, Joan... Joan Crawford, who was like this failing actress, who was big at one time, but her you know her star began to dwindle, and she oh, wasn't wow. getting roles. She was getting older. She was starting to develop alcoholism, Jeez. and she would take a lot of her frustration out on her daughter. I feel like this would be a really this would be like uh, one of those whiplash movies where it's, it's just really uncomfortable, yeah. and you just want it to be over. No, I, I I've seen clips. It is incredibly uncomfortable to watch her abuse her child, and in one iconic scene. She's going on and on about wire hangers because she's like bought her daughter all this expensive clothing. So like, you better take care of this clothing. What's this I see? Wire hangers? No! Oh, wire God. hangers? <laughs> ah! And she's tearing off. She's red in the face. Like she's just horrifying to look at. Jeez. And you know what's funny? It's like, and it says here on the side here Faye Dunaway regret- regretted her Razzie winning portrayal of Joan Crawford. Yet it earned a spot on four, number 41 of AFI's 100 Years of Heroes and Villains. Oh my goodness. So did, so the Razzies were a thing back then? How long have the Razzies been a they thing? They were in the 80s. Oh, like okay. They started out in the very early 80s. But anyways, let's move on. Oh, Howard the Duck. Now this one we've both seen and have both watched recently. Very recently. Uh, so... I wasn't even, this was, this came out in 86, so, uh, my parents had just started dating at the time, and, uh, my mom, I, when I, after we watched Howard the Duck, I told my mom, hey, I saw this movie called Howard the Duck, and, uh, my mom just started laughing, and then she's like, oh, here's an interesting story. When your dad and I were first dating, Evan, we, uh, your dad took me to Howard, see Howard the Duck, and he was raving about how it was going to be, like, the next big thing, and we go watch it, and it was one of the worst movies I'd ever seen in my life, and, like, it was, everything about it was just so bad, um, and, uh, my dad was so, and your dad was so embarrassed, like, he, uh, like he, you should tell him that story again. My mom said, but uh, yeah, my dad just—that's one of those movies where he just cringes, like at the thought of at the mention of that movie's name. But to that—that's surreal. Like back in the day, my dad thought that that movie was going to be like the guard. What Guardians of the Galaxy was to us, he thought Howard the Duck was going to be to his generation. So I, that's just that's nuts to me. I'm just surprised that something like this got made. This is I am one, too. Of the, one of the earliest movies to be based on a Marvel license. And instead of going for something awesome like Spider-Man or like the Avengers or the X-Men, 
they decided, nah, we're gonna go for Howard the Duck. Well, Kevin Fe- Kevin Feige was just a, like a grunt in the industry at the time, so he wasn't quite the the titan that he would become, and he 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 hadn't quite gotten to the place where it's like, okay, maybe we can actually build a cinematic universe around these comic book characters yet. That would come about twenty years later, so or even like yeah, so you know like. I kind of like the visual flair of this movie. Like, I think Howard's suit looks, you know, kind of... Like, this was, like, before, like, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movies. The animatronics, I will he say, like, they're, they're okay. pretty... De- uh, and a decent animatronics. And the I stop, know... I like the stop-motion creature yeah. at the end, too. I thought that was kind of cool. Oh, I you're like talking about uh, Jeffrey Jones's like, uh, Emperor Jeff Palpatine. Jones. Emperor Palpatine meets the Exorcist. Yeah, that guy was nuts. Yeah. I, I, I almost liked him more than Howard, actually. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, I like, I want to follow this guy around. Speaking of Star Wars, well, uh, Toy Boy, Toy Boy, George Lucas, mm. slapped his name on this movie. That's how it got made in the first place. And, and second of all... I think he... I I think we went a bit too far in some places. Oh, yeah. So, what's interesting is, uh, the villain reminds me of Palpatine, and I know Mark Hamill didn't voice Howard, even though he would have been a phone call away in Lucas's Rolodex at that point. So, but, for some reason, every time I watched, I saw Howard on screen, I couldn't, like, not hear Mark Hamill's voice coming out of that duck. I know uh, he didn't do the voice, but I could not, like, not hear Mark Hamill. It was the weirdest thing ever. But apparently, uh, the the guy who voiced Howard was also the voice of Chucky the doll, in Child's Play, mm-hmm. and then Child's Play did get remade, ironically enough, like very recently, and Mark Hamill was Chucky in that. I'm very glad that Howard appears at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy because if he belongs in any part of the MCU, it's got to be the G- Guardians of the Galaxy. Exactly, and, and he's voiced by Seth Green. Yeah, your favorite ginger, yeah. one of your favorite gingers. Yeah, I'd say he's my. Favorite I will. Ginger. I remember being in the theater for Guardians of the at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy and the friends I went to see it with at the time, they, we all sat till the end because that's what you do in a Marvel movie. And then, uh, I see Howard on screen and I like, Oh my God, they're not going to try and remake that. Are they? And then I looked up the roster for upcoming Marvel films and I'm like, Oh good. No Howard yet. Although they can get away with anything. Like and Avengers Endgame is the highest grossing film of all time. I feel like a Howard, the duck movie could sort of work. I mean, I, Guardians I of the Galaxy know. was a bit of a risk, too, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I don't know. I think I'd rather see, like... I know they're making this series called What If? And I'd, oh, like, to, I'd yeah. like to see one with Howard the Duck. Maybe, like, Howard the Duck leads the Guardians of the Galaxy, or we see the day of the life of him. And, yeah, well, that's another story. I mean, that, that I think that's more feasible than making an outright yeah. Howard the Duck movie or a yeah. Disney Plus series or oh, anything Oh, one like thing that. I forgot to mention before we move on... Uh, fucking bestiality this movie glorifies it like you got lorraine who is lorraine lorraine mcfly yeah or lorraine baines what was her last name before lorraine baines lorraine baines yeah leah thompson from back to the future is in this yeah i didn't know she has pipes actually she's in a rock band an all-female rock band she's pretty good i guess uh you're not ready for that but your kids are gonna love it Um, I have not seen Superman Quest for Peace. Have you seen Superman? That's, that's Superman 4. I've seen clips of it where I've seen the famous conference where he goes, Superman literally goes before the UN and says, hey, chuck all your nukes. And this movie came out in 87. So this was right past like that critical, like turning peak of the Cold War where, uh, Gorbachev and Reagan were like at each other's throats politically. So 
and tensions were really high so to have like superman come and say yeah just chuck all your nukes it, it seems surreal that that would happen but then there's nuclear man and i actually have seen clips oh, of this. i haven't seen the whole hell, nuclear man he's like the probably one of the most over the top like comic book villains you'll you will ever see now i can't say too much more because i've only seen clips but based on what i've seen yeah yeah so garage pale kids movie i haven't seen leonard part six i haven't seen Mac and me, I haven't bothered sitting through. I think it's apparent that, like, you know, we need to watch more bad movies. Uh, yes, that is exactly what we should do with our time. <laughs> yeah. Our precious time. Well, on this to earth. be fair, though, like, if you're going to understand the craft, you have to understand what makes a movie bad. Because if you just watch, like, quality flicks, you're not going to understand, like, uh, what actually makes a movie bad and why people dislike certain mm-hmm. shit. So, moving on to the 90s. Moving on to the 90s. Uh, Troll 2. Never seen the I first need, one. I need... Or this, or this one. I don't think you need to see the first one to get the... To get the magnificent uh, essence of Troll 2. I haven't seen it either. That's definitely one I should probably... At some time. Because we, we, we like bad movies. Yeah. I think Sometimes we, you can have fun with them. But some of them are so bad that, you know, you're just going to cringe. Yeah, so that, we need to get that under our belts. We need to sit through Troll 2. Uh, a movie that's not on this list for some reason, two movies that are on this list from the early 90s are, well, we both seen, uh, Ninja Turtles 3, and we, and you, just you have seen the Super Mario Brothers movie, but, uh, both these movies came out in 1993, and they were overshadowed completely by, like, other stuff that came out that year, like, Mrs. Doubtfire, Jurassic Park, like, some of my all-time favorites came out in that year, and then you got shit like Ninja Turtles 3. Um, I wasn't the biggest Ninja Turtles fan growing up, but, uh, I have, like, heard people talk about why the third movie is so bad, and I I honestly saw the first two, like, a couple times when I was young, but I didn't get really into them. I revisited them in, like, a nostalgic, like, phase through high school where, uh, Ninja Turtles was just cool to talk about for a week or so (laughs) in my life, so Mm -hmm. I revisited the other two Ninja Turtles, the first two Ninja Turtles movies, and they hold up really well. Secret of the Ooze is a little bonkers, um, and it's very silly, and the whole fact that, you know, Shredder can get crushed by a compactor. Oops! Oops. <laughs> yeah, Shredder, uh... can get, Sh- Shredder gets crushed by a compactor, and then the second movie, he comes back fine, but then he mutates into, like, Super Shredder, and, then he, was... gets, and he gets crushed by... You know, a measly dock. That was the shittiest climactic showdown I've ever and the, seen. Yeah, the climax in the first movie's better, but Ninja Turtles 3, like, people were talking about, like, how much of an insult it is and how it, like, destroyed, like, the 80s childhood or whatever. Oh, I don't quite see it as that. I don't... It's it's a bad movie, uh, but it's just boring. It's dull. Yeah, it's a like, non-event. It's they, not yeah, that good. Like, they should they should have stopped it, too, and that would have been fine. Or just make a better three. Make know. a better three, the yeah. The third well, movie is always considered, like, the weakest one. Unless no you're Return of the King. Yeah, or Indiana Jones. Or, yeah, Last Crusade was or Or, way better than or the Dollars Trilogy, oh, okay. as a matter of fact. Yeah. Oh, Showgirls. I actually really want to see Showgirls. We can't talk about it because we haven't seen it, but let's go back to 93 for a second. The Super Mario Bros. movie, you've seen it. I want yeah. to see it. Oh, you want to see it? Huh? Well, because I'm curious, because I'm I'm a Mario fan, and apparently, like a bunch of kids were like really hyped to see it, and then they saw it, and then it was like, what the fuck is this shit? Um, yeah, um, you know what? The Mario movie is a mess, an ungodly, unprecedented mess. 
It was, but uh, you know, it kind of broke some ground. You know, like no one made a movie about a video game before. Yeah. And how do you make a video game about some? Or uh, sorry, how do you make how do you make a video game about Mario Evan? How do you make a movie about a video game where all you do is run to eight castles to save some lady from an evil turtle? Well, or, didn't they? Peach? Well, she wouldn't have been called the pr- Princess Peach at the time. They would have called her either just the Princess or Princess Toadstool. Princess Toadstool. But there was... But Daisy somehow made it into the movie. Yeah. I, I, I haven't seen it, but I know this much. Like, And I also know that like, Dennis Hopper phones in like the worst... Like, there's... I've seen one clip where he's just like, Looks like I win! And apparently, I, I watched this video recently about the making of that movie, or yeah. a negative retrospect on the making of this movie. Apparently, the production was absolute bonkers anarchy to the point where people were crying, people, one extra, or one technician almost died. And everyone, like including the main actors, John Leguizamo and, and Bob Hoskins, were like drinking non-stop yeah. during the shoots. But, but Dennis Hopper, the reason why I think the acting looks as bad... Uh, as it does is because the script was being rewritten on an hourly basis and the actors were given new lines like every other take like i cannot imagine like there's improvised movies but i cannot imagine just from my and your experience on sets with with our projects making a movie like that yeah it's just it's just like stressful i can't imagine i would probably do the same thing i would drink all the time if i if everything i did just kept getting thrown around through the through the ringer like that's just not that's not productive yeah that's not a good use of my time uh yeah bad adaptions what can i say you know it's another bad adaption batman and robin oh god you know, uh I... you want to talk about bad acting where no one takes it seriously like george I... clooney does not george clooney does not even try to be batman i will scowl at anyone who thinks he's a good batman like uh even Adam West, I would rank better than him. Because at least Adam West knew what he was getting into. George Clooney thought at first that he was going to play like Bruce Wayne and the Caped Crusader. But then it became apparent at some point in the production that no one gave a shit. So. And apparently Chris O'Donnell, in retrospective, has gone on record saying it felt like a giant toy commercial and no one cared. I kind of I kind of get a bit of a fun vibe from this movie. Like, I enjoy it for what it's worth. Like, it's bad... <sighs> But there's so much about it that I quote on a, on a weekly basis, especially Mr. Freeze. Arnold Schwarzenegger is like one of... Oh, he's he's a fast... We should probably... We're going to have to do a whole episode just on him specifically because he is one of the most fascinating Hollywood figures and just actors and just people you'll ever meet. Yeah. Like, he took schlocky movies, um, but he just had fun with everything he did. And you can... Even though the movie's garbage and people didn't care, you can tell that Arnold just showed up to have fun, and he just ran with it, man. Uh, and Uma Thurman in this movie, it's like... Curses! Oh, uh, you hurt my ears. Oh, she said, uh, she was like, she started off in a few movies, and then Pulp Fiction brought her into the mainstream, and then she appears in this, and it hurt her career so badly... The, like, one of the next things she was in was Kill Bill, another Tarantino movie. And then she was in a resurgence, and then she starred in that My Super Ex-Girlfriend or whatever. We'll get to that, and that's in the next decade. Uh, oh, I don't think that's on this list, but, like... I've seen My Super Ex-Girlfriend, I'll talk about it. Okay. I, I have not, because I didn't care. But anyways, like, I think Owen Thurman just shouldn't be in superhero movies. Yeah. Just stick to Tarantino movies. Yeah. 
Wait, what's the Avengers doing uh, on... No, that's the 1998 Avengers, not the 2012 Avengers. Oh, is that the... That's That why... also has Uma Thurman in it, actually. That, uh... No, so, not to be confused with that intellectual property that got ter- that made, like, the highest grossing film of all time. Yeah. This was based off a British TV show. British TV show, Have yeah. you seen the Avengers? No, I haven't. Have you okay, seen we it? can't talk about it, so yeah. moving on. Not much to say there. Uh, now we're into the 2000s with uh, the greatest movie that Scientology could possibly make. Oh, God. Battlefield Earth. <laughs> you know, that, mm. no- that night Cody invited us over to his place where we did, like, a bad movie. Uh, Birdemic came out in this decade, right, too? Uh, came out in the 2010s. Okay, then we'll talk about that in a bit. But we watched Birdemic and then this shit. Mm. I was... I was laughing and having the time of my life ripping apart Birdemic. Birdemic was a lot of fun to laugh at. We had some drinks. We had some laughs. Battlefield Earth is a cringe fest. It's depressing to think about. Battlefield Earth is is like... It is is cinematic melatonin. You get so bored watching it. I I just don't care about... It's an interesting premise. I'm not going to lie. Interesting premise with all post-apocalyptic shit and, you know, an alien race basically subjugating humanity or what's left of humanity. So, on paper, you feel like it had some potential, but the execution is just... Blah. No, it's not very good. Like, it's dull. In fact, you know what? If you want a movie that does this idea a lot better there's this french animated film from the 70s called fantastic planet and it has so many can it has so many similarities to battlefield earth that like i feel like l ron hubbard just like saw the movie and he's like i could write a book like this wow in english and this was made at a time when like a bunch of hollywood elites were like really drinking from the scientology kool-aid like you had john travolta and then tom cruise a few years later yeah, I don't know. Like, John Travolta, wholeheartedly, he wholeheartedly endorses this movie. Even until this day, he thinks it's great. To each his own. I mean, I mean hey, if you're proud of it, I'm, whatever. I'm, but it, it, it fucking trashed his career for years to come. Yeah. And now he's back with something we'll get into in the next decade. <laughs> and, uh, we'll save one of these for later. Um, Glitter. Have you seen Glitter? No. Uh, this decade, I've seen quite a few bad movies. From... Yeah, this is this is more our generation, oh, like yeah. as opposed to the 30s like we were going to the movies. At this point, we were going to the movies religiously. Uh, glitter, Glitter is basically a vehicle for Mariah Carey to start acting. She basically plays herself as oh, a pop Lord. singer. Who, you know, there are some breaks singers in. that really try to break into the camera, like away from music videos and just be in their own movie, but it really didn't work out for some of them. Uh, can, 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 are there any like singers that were like, had a successful, like, uh, on screen like transition like from the uh, from the record label to the the film I don't studio. Know, I, I guess J Lo is in some things. That's also true. Yeah, she was in. She she actually she J- did okay. Yeah, did did some bad movies, of course. Oh, um, of course. Eminem was into like Eight Mile. Like, right. Yeah. I thought he kind of stopped after that. He didn't show up in as much. Well, because the guy he was so focused on his rap career that it just kind of overshadowed. Yeah, else. and yeah. you get this feeling that like Eight Mile is like a really personal story. Queen yeah. Queen Latifah got into acting. Yeah. She did okay. Um, Beyonce at the Beyonce did oddly enough acting. at the end of this decade was like Beyonce Beyonce Knowles is like big like film debut and that's coming up. Uh, it's called Obsessed, but we'll get to that when we get to that. I don't think that's on this. list. Well, Obsessed 
the trailer made me cringe. Like that's a two that that came at the end of this decade. And All right, well, anyways, glitter, um, it bombed, and notoriously, um, because it came out in two thousand one. Uh, Mariah Carey's like, nobody went to the movie theaters because 9-11 happened. Oh, yeah. So 9-11 was the one that ruined this movie. Not me. And I was like, oh. That's like, okay. 9-11 ruined a lot of movies that had to do with... Uh, buildings. Terror- buildings, airplanes, terrorism. And apparently, oh, like, wasn't there a, a Tim Allen comedy, uh, Big Trouble? Oh, yeah, Big Trouble. Big Trouble got trashed because of, there's a joke... Uh, Where they, like, smuggle a bomb onto an airplane. Oh. And they get they easily get through customs. And oh, Tim Allen God. has to like, hijack the airplane. Oh, wow. Like, two yeah, horrible, yeah, yeah. like, horribly, not... horribly inappropriate jokes for the price of one. Just didn't really, yeah. It was a bad timing all around. Yeah. Okay, have you seen The Master of Disguise? That trailer made me cringe too. And the guy from Wayne's I, I the guy from Wayne's World was in it. Yeah, uh, Dana Carvey. Dana Carvey, yeah. As Pistachio Disguise. Oh god. He's an Italian. He makes fun. What year did that come out again? Two thousand two. Oh, and I... then the uh his uh co star would make a movie the following year that was the worst movie I've ever seen in my life, but um, we'll get to we'll get words. to that when we get to that. Let's keep going. Yeah. Um, the room. Uh, you're gonna talk about the room. Yeah. Later, okay. So we have a, a special story to get to put the After... cardboard horse a little bit. What we're gonna do is we're gonna like get to the recap the next like decade and a half of movie bad movies, and then we're gonna talk about um three. Like from every from all this list or three from our lifetime that just stand out as some of the worst. There, it's in no particular order, but three that we're just gonna rip to shreds. Yeah. So I've got my three. He's got his three, and the room was one of my three. So slight spoiler for what's to come, but yeah. Oh, Jiggly. And, and then we'll also talk about a movie that we we kind of enjoy ironically to oh, such yeah. an extent, oh, yeah. which is why we're gonna skip the room for a moment. But rest assured, we will get back to it. Yeah. Jiggly. Jiggly will also get back to you later. Catwoman. I, I didn't bother watched. seeing it. That this is when like Spider Man was the only good superhero movie that anyone knew how to make back then, and Spider Man started this trend. Like if superhero, if that can work, maybe uh, this can work. And then Catwoman was a disaster. Yeah. Oh God. I I haven't seen it, but I it, it, I've seen clips of it. Ugh. It just looks like a mess. Like I don't. Feel Does like Halle Berry so. regret that? Do you know offhand? Yeah, yeah. She went to the Razzies and she accepted. And he's like, thank you so much. She was kind of parodying her Oscar acceptance, oh, which yeah. happened like. A year or two before. She's like, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to be yeah. in this piece of shit movie. <laughs> oh my god. That was funny. Oh, fuck. Super Babies. Baby Geniuses too. Have you ever seen, like, any of the Baby Geniuses? That same buddy uh, who I mentioned who likes Batman and Robin, like, legitimately, he, like... He, he dies laughing at the first Baby Geniuses movie. And when yeah. he just tell me about them, I'm like, this sounds like the stupidest shit ever. I'm not watching. I'm yeah. interested. When I was a kid, I watched Baby Geniuses a lot. I won't lie. Yeah. Okay, so moving on to one that we have seen. Okay. Um, let's see. Alone here. in the Dark. Oh, an Uva Bowl. We haven't even gotten to Uva Bowl. Um... There is a movie that he did this decade, not Alone in the Dark, but In the Name of the King, A Dungeon Seed's Tale. Yeah, I've seen that. I've it came out two years after Alone in the Dark. I, uh, I've seen Postal, which, you know, honestly, of all of his movies, I think Postal is just a goddamn riot. 
It's I, so like you I want, will. You want ne- to talk about movies that make fun of 9/11? Oh the, man, the opening credits of that movie <laughs> is just explosively offensive. And we were just talking about like movies that got trashed at the box office because of 9/11, and some productions that just got canceled altogether. This movie had the balls like less than a decade after 9/11, yeah, like six just... years after the fact. Yeah. No, Uwe Boll is just notorious for, like, taking a bunch of video game properties, adapting them in, like, the most haphazard way possible. So... And may, and reaping the, the rewards. In know? the name... He he did this with uh, Dungeon Siege, and he called it In the Name of the King, a Dungeon Siege tale. And on my 16th birthday, I remember my dad wanted to take my brother... And I, I asked my dad and my brother, can we go see the Golden Compass for my birthday? Because it looked like, you know, the next Lord of the Rings. I, I I was, I was I was intrigued. I, I wanted to see the Golden Compass. We go to the theater. Golden Compass is sold out, but there was another fantasy movie called In the Name of the King. And my dad looks at the poster. I'm like, oh, it's like Lord of the Rings. And I love, we love Lord of the Rings, don't you, son? Like, yeah, dad. So let's check it out. We had missed like the first 20 minutes, but we walk into this fight scene that looks like it's something out of Power Rangers. Like Jason Statham is completely miscast. Like I can see. He's done some hokey shit, but this is like some next level hokey shit. Yeah, and and Burt Reynolds is like the king of this 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 world, and he just Ron talks Perlman, a pretty strong cast. John Reese Davies, like for God's sake, is yeah, this. and um, oh, Matthew Lillard from the Scooby Doo. Matthew Doobies. Lillard was the highlight of that. For oh, sure. he just like overacted everything. He was so great. Yeah, uh, who's who's that actor? He's on the tip of my tongue. And then Ray Liotta. No, is that his name? Hold on, hold on, hold Not on. Not Ron Perlman. Ray Liotta is in the yeah. movie too as the big evil villain. Oh yeah, and he's just so out of his league in that movie. He, he felt like uh, he, he played a good fella. That means he can be a bad guy. Oh god, yeah. No, he's just not not work i will never forget this as soon as the credits rolled for in the name of the king the whole theater broke out laughing and then we did too and my dad and i were like and my brother were like that was horrible but it it was a fun time to watch okay let's talk about um spoof movies the movie movies so epic movie and meet the spartans i'm not gonna lie uh the spoof movies for me started with Mel Brooks and Spaceballs is the first spoof movie well, I've ever th- seen. Those aren't really related to these, though. Yeah, no, this, these, are, these are. This is schlock. This is like you look at the trailer of a movie and it's like, let's make a joke about the trailer rather than the actual film itself. And this is from the. We could have made a whole episode on the guys that watch too many movies. Yeah. To be honest, and Seltzerberg and like these guys um, are still working today, making directed DVD schlock. Same stuff, same jokes, endless, endless streams of the same uh, project, and uh, I guess it's their niche. It's what they want to do. The only movies that uh, we of theirs that well, the only movies that that they made that apparently like my friends seemed to quote nonstop when I was in uh, elementary school were the scary movie movies. Yeah, the scary movies were like not bad. Like they weren't. They, I mean, they're not fucking art, but yeah. like they're not bad. I like the first one. And, like, I say, like, the first three are, like, solid yeah. overall. But uh, then it, they get kind of, like, So, down. just for some context, uh, Disaster, uh, Meet the Spartans was, parodied everything that came out in 2007. Uh, Disaster Movie parodied, like, a few other movies. 
Uh, I remember there's one joke where, like, a fat Miley Cyrus knockoff gets crushed by an asteroid. Don't think she was fat. I think it was just Miley Cyrus. Like, oh my god, it's Hannah Montana. Oh yeah, that's right, yeah, sorry. Hannah Montana, Miley Cyrus. Um, you're not supposed, those are supposed to be, like, two separate people. Yeah, I think that's the joke, and Kim Kardashian pointed that out. We are now into the 2010s. Oh, and Birdemic. Birdemic, you're gonna regret it. Uh, Birdemic, Shock and Terror is the best film ever. Oh, wait, Shock and Terror? There's a subtitle? This guy wanted to make more of them? Yeah, Birdemic, Shock and Terror is the best film ever shot on a conventional uh, camcorder that you can buy at Walmart. Do you know that I honestly cannot even tell what the movie's about until like forty minutes? Oh, in. It, it it's slog. It, it's a slog to sit through for like a whole hour. It's not like a. It takes like an hour before birds that finally start attacking. And there's no like. There, was there any build up to it? Like, no, not really. I mean, it's like you gotta worry about the environment. Oh it's the, yeah, it's the environment. The environment is an important fundamental theme of this amazing film. And then there's this uh, movie where, uh, yeah, like it's made it's, by this it's, film. It's made by this pompous, like holier than thou wannabe director who got the money to make a movie, so he made a movie. And uh, it's so bad that like he does this guy like regard it as a masterpiece even today. He is pretty oblivious to like I I, I don't think he's fully aware of how people feel about Birdemic. So it's kinda like Tommy Wiseau with the room. No, Tommy Wiseau is pretty aware. Like he knows that yeah. people know it's bad. But this guy's like, oh it's it's a million dollar movie just like the other million dollar movies in the world. And I think it's like it's so it flies over his head pretty and what, easily. No pun intended. <laughs> no, that was intended. No pun intended, yes. Yeah, I I'd say the sequel is even worse. Even Bird, a sequel? Birdemic to the resurrection is like all the worst things about Birdemic, but there's no sense of it it's just like a whole irony fest where it's like we intentionally made it this way. So it's just like the first one which just had a lot of gaffes in it cuz the guy didn't know what he was doing. Now it's like, instead of getting better, he's just sort of re... It, it's like a refried bean oh, of God. a movie. It's just mic, re, microwave bullshit that he decided to re, do again. And in some ways, it is technically better than the first one. But in most cases, it's just equally pointless. Well, what's interesting is um, that I noted was that... I noticed that some of the actors like said some lines really incorrectly the and really wrong. Is, the acting's bad. Not only is the acting bad, but the English is the director's second language, and he wrote the, and he penned the script. Yeah. So apparently, if he wrote a line that had some broken English in it, the actors would actually try to change, say it the way it was it would sound in English. But the guys that actually refused like any script changes to the point where like he's got like actors who can speak really fluent English speaking broken English because he just didn't want any changes. So that makes him kind of worse than Tommy Wiseau. Tommy Wiseau didn't want the script changed at all, but Tommy Wiseau speaks broken English too, but at least the other actors he worked with were allowed to talk in fluent English. Like if he said, if their English was too perfect, he wouldn't like beat them over the head. This guy did that. So that, in, in, on a way, that Troll, makes... Troll 2 has the same problem where, like, they, all the actors had to read their lines as written from the script, and it comes off as very awkward. Oh, wow. You know, like, I, it, it, the whole environmental thing reminds me of, like, you ever seen that M. Night Shyamalan movie, The Happening? No. The plot... I don't that... want to see it. Oh, I have seen it. It's, um... That was in the decade a... we just wrapped up. Yeah, it was. Um, but yeah, The Happening... I came at the tail end, 2009. The, ha the Happening was all about... 
trees that release this um or releases this pheromone that causes everyone in the world to commit suicide if like they get caught up in the wind oh the movie tries to make you afraid of both wind and trees oh my god and it's it's a failure mark Wahlberg comes up to a plastic tree it's like we don't want we don't want to cause no trouble oh god you know we just want to we just want to use the bathroom and that's it (laughs) no no it's fine you know it's cool. And I love, like, the actors they got. Like, they got yeah, Zoe, Zoe Deschanel, Chanel, Mark Wahlberg, but I seen John the trailer. Leguizamo. Seeing the trailer, I'm like, this is the worst thing she's ever done. Like, I can't, she's a great actress. She's pretty good, yeah. And that came out the same year as 500 Days of Summer. Speaking of M. Night Shyamalan, what we have here next is The Last Airbender. I need to... Okay. Hate me. I need to watch the anime. I am told it's one you, of the you best really, things you'll ever see. You really need to watch So I can't that say show. too much about this movie other than that they tried. Yeah, I would be interested to see, as someone who's not a fan of the show like me, just to sit down and watch this. Because I hear people who watch this and not the show. Wait, have you seen it? Yeah, I've seen, oh, okay. I've seen both the show and this movie. But I'm, I've heard that people who don't watch the show are not quite as incensed when they see this movie because they just think it's bad and whatever because they don't have the attachment of the show right behind them um this movie is a bastardization of the entirety of the series namely the first season because i guess someone thought it'd be a good idea to take an already amazing show and just crunch it into a like maybe less than two hour experience yeah i don't know who thought that was a good idea like they should have just maybe continued on with the series they could have milked it for like 20 movies and it could have been profitable. Uh, Apparently it was profitable like in its first weekend and then it tanked the next week. Yeah, it did. Well, so I it mean, was a word, modest hit. Word, word of mouth and all that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's just like this This movie really put a dent in M. Night Shyamalan's career. Like he was just batting a thousand at this point. Yeah. Hey. Excuse me. <laughs> and yeah, it's just it's just not very good. I, I would definitely say if you love the show, don't watch the movie. Unless you want to have a good laugh with your friends. Uh, now we're getting into Happy Madison territory. <sighs> have you seen Jack and Jill? No. I have. Can we save that for like an Adam Sandler episode? You want to do like a Happy Madison episode? Yeah. Because okay, I've, I've actually like, I we were sitting down the other day and I was talking about like, I, yeah, I'm like, I haven't I seen am... that many Adam Sandler. I have seen more than 10, maybe like around 15 Adam Sandler movies. So I can talk about the guy. Let's save him for later. But yeah, grown ups like on this list we got Bucky Larson, Born to Be a Star, Jack and Jill, and that's my boy, back to back to back. Oh my god. So like Happy yeah. Madison like takes up half Movie forty three. Ooh, Ooh I Here's a fun fact. I watched this on my birthday. And I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> I loved how fucking horrible it was. Oh, God. I died laughing at this. My buddy Cedric, uh, who I went to film school with, who was a really good friend of mine at the time, we got high one night, and we put it on, and we are like, you know, it doesn't look that bad. It looks kind of funny. Uh, I wanted to throw up by the time we got to that Anna Faris, Chris Pratt uh, sketch where... Oh, will you poop on me? (laughs) And you know what? Like... I had a, when I went to work at HMV years later, I had a, an assistant manager who was kind of a dick. He thought this movie was amazing and he like thought that that sketch was the best part. Like he compa- it's like the the subliminal or thematic comparison of marriage to taking a shit. Like 
he thought there was comic genius in that. So, like I said, like, I'm all for this philosophy of, like, you know, if you think something's good, to each, to each his own, but... It, it oh does it does surprise me that this many people were attached to it. Like and by the way, you can at the end of the the movie literally uh, takes Josh Dumas' film career off life support and puts it in its grave. Oh yeah, Josh. Yeah. Which was directed by super controversial, uh, pedophile humor tweeting James Gunn. Hey, don't treat my gun like that. <laughs> James Gunn is my hero, and I love him. But not for the reasons I just mentioned. Yeah, not for that. <laughs> that that's all embellished. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, yeah, it was also direct. Most of this was like produced and directed by Peter Farrelly, who went on to win a Best Picture award for Green Book. Oh my! No. <laughs> oh, yeah, God. he went from this to Green oh Book. Oh my God! Well, yeah. So yeah, let's continue on because we uh, gotta keep I, this. On I time. don't think there's many others on this list that you've heard of. Uh, Ghostbusters 2016. We saw that together. Um, there, uh, a guy we used to, we invited a guy who used to be friends with us, uh, who hated like who had a lot of movies he thought were bad, and he couldn't make it that day because he was in Niagara Falls with his sister. So we're like, okay, screw it, we'll go to the theater without you. It's fine. And we, oh my god, that's one of the worst theater experiences I've ever had. Not not compared to like the top three I'm about to talk about, but it's one of the worst theater experiences I've ever had. And I remember like I texted on my notepad on my phone and showed it to you like this movie sucks. Want to go? And yeah. then we yeah. decided to stay. I mean, we, we stuck were, it out. We were kind of like one of the only guys in the theater when we saw it. And when we left, there was this lady who was like, "That was even better than the first Ghostbusters." And then I looked at you and like I could hear. Like, I was kind of... darkness, my old friend. Yeah, I was kind of irritated. It's I've like, come to talk with you again. Yeah, anyways. Um, yeah, no, Ghostbusters 2016 is definitely one of those painful movies I've ever sat through. I do think that's largely because of the large influx of, like, backlash of, you know, like, the trailer god and, like, a lot of the... Just, like, this really toxic, like, environment that the movie was surrounded in where, like... If you didn't like the movie, you were sexist. If you if you championed the movie, you were a feminist. Like it was just like this constant back and forth. I liked all the actors in the movie. No, like, there like, wasn't a single like actor that I ha- I hated their performances. Like and Chris Hemsworth did the worst. Oh, Chris thing. Hemsworth was such a dipshit in that movie. No, like he was clinically stupid. Like you cannot take this guy anywhere stupid. So do th- there's one line I remember. Uh, the only thing I remember him saying was, "Hey, do you think that?" That aquariums are just submarines for fish. Oh. Like that, if it was, now if Homer Simpson said a line like that, I'd almost think, oh, that's kind of fun. But because, like, I was already in a shit mood during the movie, it's like, no, not even something like that can, like, bring me into it. And they're good comedians. Like, I like them all. I just don't think the movie's very, I don't really, like, feel like it's a worthy, like, successor to Ghostbusters. It was... It's, it's just um it's just a dumpster fire to it me. really is and the, the, the one of the biggest piss-offs was that if you want to make a female empowerment story please give the guys whose girlfriends dragged them to see it like a good time because uh we were both single and mingling at the time so we went to see it on our spot on our own but we had that experience with like the women like who we sat next to and then what happened that you mentioned and then like the male characters, if I was a guy uh, who, yeah. if, if, my, if I had a girlfriend who dragged me to see that, I would be pissed right off because typically when girls drag their boyfriends to watch movies, there is a character in a chick flick that 
the guys can relate to. Yeah, there you, is you not a, like a... every single man in this movie is either an asshole or a bumbling moron. You need like a you need like a Paul Rudd character in Clueless. And this like, is a movie need... that has Tywin Lannister from Game of Thrones yeah. in the first twenty minutes. So and I all... thought it was going to be good. And like all the Ghostbusters show up, like Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, and Ernie Hudson. Sadly, not Harold Ramis because oh, he passed away. May he rest. I will say, like I felt kind of nice when they said uh, in memory of Harold Ramis. That was one part of the movie. I was like, okay, well... Bill nice. Murray wanted to fucking die. Yeah, no, I could tell he didn't want to be in there. Dan Aykroyd appears for, like, a like not even a split second, and you're just like, oh... Do you wow, know that, I couldn't tell... Funny. The first time I watched that scene, I couldn't tell it was him. I had to go I'd, back I had to point to you, and it's like, there, there's Dan Aykroyd. He's like, oh, really? I'm like, yeah. But it looked like they put a lot of, like, putty on his face. Like, he did look to... pretty different. Well, he was yeah. dressed like a cabbie. Yeah. And, like, Ernie Hudson is there. Ernie Hudson stood out like a sore thumb. Didn't really have anything to do. She was... He was the dad... And what's interesting is... The dumpster fire trailer set it up like it was going... It said, like... I'll say this. Like, every moment that sucked in the trailer uh, sucked in the movie. And Especially that get out of my friend ghost. The power of Patty. Uh, the power of Patty compels you! Uh, I hate that scene. But anyways, yeah, Ghostbusters 2016 is a movie I just hate. Yeah. I'm sorry, but I, I, I can't Okay, so we gotta wrap this up. Let, let's talk about, just quickly, like... Three movies that we hate. Um, are you going to consider Ghostbusters 2016 on your list? Uh, my list was already made, but you know, Ghost, Ghostbusters uh, uh, 2016 gets an, a dishonorable mention, and Garfield, which we didn't talk about, which also has Bill Murray, gets a dishonorable mention. I'm, I'm going I'm I'm to sum that up in one sentence. I'm so I liked that movie for some ungodly reason when I was 12, and I I guess I liked Cats, and we just got a new cat, and I thought, oh, cat movie. So I actually dragged my parents to see it multiple times, and each time they made it perfectly clear that they're doing it because they love me, but they hated that movie. And Dad, Mom, and Dad, if you're listening to this, I'm so sorry. I dragged you all those times to see Garfield. It was bad. I know it's bad now. Please forgive me. That was a that was a very long sentence. You were going to summarize that in one sentence. That was just a run-on yeah. sentence right there. Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, yeah, speaking of Garfield, another dishonorable mention for me would probably be, like, Andrew Garfield's Amazing Spider-Man 2. Oh, yeah. I mean, I... That I, was... I, that I, movie's still, like, I, a lot of people hate Spider-Man 3, and I get it. It's not good. It's not as good as the other two. It has some problems. I, I kind of liked Spider-Man 3, certain bits of it. There's some shit, and there's some good stuff. It's not yeah. all bad. Amazing Spider-Man 2 is just so dull and, like, overstuffed, and, like, I don't like Spider-Man in that. I don't like... the only... I don't like the villains. Like, everything's just bad. The only uh, part yeah. of the movie I like is the end, which, by the way, is built up to, like, the, the, the foreshadowing. Like, I get that... Spo- spoiler alert for anyone who doesn't know comics or shit about Spider-Man... Uh, Gwen Stacy dies at the end, which is the only, like, good scene in it. Not because, like, yeah. I hate Gwen Stacy. I love Emma Stone. But the one scene that pissed me off that, like, drove the point home for the comic book fans that, yeah, she's gonna die, was that montage of that god-awful pop song oh, where he's, he... like, saying, like, do I have to lose you too? And he's connecting all these dots like some, like, uh, was... Da Vinci Code shit on his wall. Yeah, that was and a bad scene. that song, um... It's got the most obnoxious rhythm. I may as well, like, we may as well re- replace it with the words, Get it through your fucking head. Soon Gwen Stacy will be dead. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. that, that's a bad song. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Paul Giamatti was embarrassing in this movie. I am the Ren- I am the Ren- <laughs> I sound like Barney Gumble doing the voice of the yeah. <laughs> German Barney Gumble. Yeah. 
Yeah, and like he's Russian. I didn't like. I didn't like. Uh, I didn't like uh, Max. I didn't really like Jamie Foxx's Electro either. He was just weird. Yeah. Didn't really find him. I didn't really like him at all. I think the cherry on top of the shit Sunday was um, uh, the kid from Chronicle. Oh, uh, he dressed. He's the Spider-Man fanboy who yeah. runs into Harry a Ogden. firefight. Like kid. That's he's even dumber what, than. What are you talking about? I'm not talking about the kid. I'm oh. talking about Harry Osborn. Oh, Dane DeHaan. Dane DeHaan. Thank Sorry, you. I thought we were talking about that little kid in the end. No, who I'm runs talking into, about Green like, Goblin. Police. Oh, and your favorite line in my the whole favorite series. line in the movie <laughs> when he asks for Spider Spider-Man, give me your blood so that I can feel better. It will heal me. I don't have any proof, but it will heal me. He's like, I'm sorry, buddy. You can't do that. I came all this way just to tell you that. Fuck you. I'm not gonna do that. You're a fraud, Spider-Man! <laughs> <laughs> I died. I died when I heard that. Every time I see that, I hear that line, I die. That kills me. But yeah, Amazing Spider-Man 2 is an honorable mention. But let's get into our main contenders. Okay, so the three movies I've... Three of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. The Room made it to this list even though i actually enjoy it more so than the other two i'm about to talk about it took me th- my buddy in film school had like a bootleg copy and he also had the riff track uh that was that famous riff track that was done i watched the movie it took me three sittings to stomach the whole thing it, it was unwatchable but then i when you and i started becoming friends we actually went to a midnight madness screening that they do at a local toronto theater yeah if you want to go um in toronto if you're a torontonian uh there's this uh, place called carlton cinema every last saturday of the month they play this movie at least three showings and they always sell out so it's a popular thing it, that's on hiatus right now given well yeah given the covid and all that but yeah, yeah do yourself a favor when all this shit goes down Go and watch it with this massive group. They throw footballs. They throw spoons. They yell they, at the screen. They they wave on the other side of the screen when Johnny waves offside. Yeah, it's it's great. It's a good experience. People dress up. Like the and uh, I read the Disaster Artist. Amazing book. Very good uh, book. Very yeah. touching story. Oddly enough, even though the movie's horrible. And then I love the Disaster Artist movie that James Franco made. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't quite what I expected it to be from the book because the book had so much good stuff that. They could have done more. They, That's they the one. had to condense. Yeah, they really did have to condense, and you can feel that, but that was like the first movie in a long time that I wished was longer, because I wish they could have done some more. Yeah, I kind of wish it was so, longer, too. Uh, and then the, the next movie on my list, is, are we going to go back and forth? Or? Um, We can go back and forth. So that's the third one on my top three. Um, should I talk about, so I guess that's a guilty pleasure for you, right? It's a guilty pleasure, okay, ironically, I will, it's a guilty I will, pleasure. I will talk about my guilty pleasure. My favorite, um, bad movie is Freddy Got Fingered. Oh. <laughs> Tom Green, I don't know why <laughs> he decided. Daddy really likes some sausage! Yeah. Daddy really likes some sausages! Sausages! Yeah. Get out of my stomach, you damn imbecile! <laughs> my son is a fucking retard! Ragged stomach, it's so goddamn every time I watch noise. Every time I watch that, I feel like Rip Torn when the camera Oh, Rip Torn's having fun. No, Rip Torn, I... You feel when like Rip Torn. You, um, you feel like when the camera's not rolling, you feel like Rip Torn is just laughing his ass off, like after the take. Yeah, like when Rip Torn sadly passed away. I think it was last year. It was last yeah, year. last year. Um, like I'm, I feel bad for saying like the first thing that came to my mind is like, you're gonna make your daddy proud. I'm oh. gonna make you proud, daddy. Oh, you're gonna God. make your daddy proud. <laughs> I'm gonna make you so proud. 
Proud. Proud. Uh, get the fuck out of the way! Like, that whole scene played in my head when I heard the news. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? Like, it's one of my favorite roles from him. Because he's just so delirious as the angry dad. Um, Frey Got Fingered is like... You know, it's so bad, but it makes me laugh harder than most modern comedies. Some scenes make you laugh. I, I quote hard. that movie with my friends all the time. I, I like, I, I enjoy watching it. I get such a kick out of it because it's so subversive and nasty. It's like, it's kind of like, I kind of feel like it, if it came around the time of like Tim and Eric and like the Eric Andre show, like the Adult Swim era, like it just it feels like such a a proto version of all that you know all this wow. anti-humor and all this gross out shit that just is made to like shock and offend yeah and that's why i like frey got fingered i i, I enjoy watching it i won't lie okay. it's one of my favorite movies to watch sometimes so uh the second w movie on this like all-time like worst i've ever seen this is a movie i'm probably never going to like like ever Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom it's mm -hmm. it's probably the most newest movie like that we can i can of bad movies that I've seen. I rewatched it uh, recently and it's actually, I was slightly less annoyed the second time I watched it, but when I saw it in the theater, it's like the lost world, but worse. Like the, okay. To give you a, a brief recap on how I feel about the whole series. The first one masterpiece needs no introduction. The lost world. I like more than most people do. I do think like the message with like, uh, human and naturalism and like animal animal protection and natural habitats it's it's hammered in places where it it shouldn't be hammered but it's it's a it's a it's an it's a passable message uh the lost world is a movie i can actually enjoy jurassic park 3 uh oh i saw God. jurassic park 3 i liked it and then um oh, I, I, I hated it like I as i grew up movie. older like it's such a it's a cheese fest of a movie. Jurassic World uh, was a re fan service reboot that has some charm to it. it I'm it's not gonna... fine. Like yeah. some people hate it, but I'm, it's fine. It's not. There's nothing really much to hate about it. Like if you like Jurassic Park, uh, go and have a good time. Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom, on the other hand, is the dumbest shit I've ever seen. So they the the island that the original park was on apparently had an inactive volcano that's going to explode, so they have to re get all the dinosaurs off the island and relocate them to another island. But the mission gets hijacked by mercenaries who are taking the dinosaurs to the mainland where this big, greedy billionaire is like, cha-ching, 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 money, oh money, how I love thee. He just wants to sell dinosaurs to tycoons. How well is that going to go? Like, you're going to be filthy fucking rich, but you're going to have dinosaurs, like, being weaponized. Like, I hate the fact that the first half of the movie is on the island, but the second half takes takes place entirely in some mansion. And it's just that's not the that first Jurassic Park movie where m m a good chunk of it takes place away from an island. Like, The Lost World has that, like, last ten minute scene where the T-Rex goes on a rampage in the city, but... This is, like, some new level shit. Yeah, this is basically just, like, The Lost World, but even even worse. Like, yeah. I, I don't love The Lost World, but, like, it's it's not as bad. Like, it's fine. And to make matters merit. worse, the the, uh, the dinosaur, the Indominus Rex was a Frankensaurus that they created in the first, like, Jurassic World. That's, that guy's, or girl, sorry, they're all female. But that girl's dead, and they take 
a bone from her skeleton to make a raptor that is like the Indominus Rex, but a bigger raptor. And uh, B.D. Wong's character, Dr. Wu, I think is yeah, there. Yeah, he comes back, yeah. Yeah, and he's like this, he's like this mad scientist, and he's saying... The, the, the raptor needs a mother figure and then you got chris pratt's raptor who could have like been the mother or some shit and then it's the it is the most redundant weapon i've ever seen because the idea a... is you laser po- you take a rifle that has nothing but a laser pointer on it no ammunition and you laser point this rifle at whatever you want the raptor to kill the raptor will maul that thing to death I did kind of like the ending, I guess, because it set up an interesting idea for the third movie. It really did. Where, like, dinosaurs will inhabit the Earth along with people, and it'll be... So, they've got, like, a Planet of the Apes thing going on, which is unique for the series, because The Lost World gives you a taste of what happens when dinosaurs, like, will uh, have to interact with the public, but in this movie, the third and final, the sixth Jurassic Park movie... Could be interesting. So as craptastic as that movie was, I'm kind of interested, hilariously enough, to see what happens next. So yeah. horrible movie, but you might be onto something. All right. So that so do your two because I want to take some time to. So you got to cool down. I can tell you're yeah. getting sense. He's he's turning red, folks. He's turning red. He's... The the one I my number one. Oh god. Um. Okay. So. I guess I'll do my other one after I do yours, after you do yours. So I'll talk about this next one. So in, I was going to pick Amazing Spider-Man 2, but then I thought of a superhero movie that's even more, like, broken and just a complete dumpster fire of a mess, and that has got to be Fan 4 Stick by Josh Trank. And it's... I don't know. You can do Spider-Man several times and get it right... You know, not all the time, but most of the time. You can take the X-Men and do as many fucking movies as you want with it. The continuity doesn't matter. The timeline doesn't matter. They can do as many as they want to varying degrees of success. But Fantastic Four has never been done right fucking once. And they've made three of these they've movies They've made three now. of them. They, and uh, you know, they're probably going to make another one with the MCU. And hopefully they can do something better because this is kind of embarrassing, guys. They can't seem to make a decent Fantastic Four movie. Well, the Hulk got the shit out of the stick, too. Yeah, well, I mean, but when he became an Avenger, then it was better. Yeah, I mean, they can do a decent Hulk when they want to. But, like, for, like, standalone movies, like, Fantastic... Fan Four Stick is just, like... You got this director who just finished Chronicle. And, like, I, I make fun of Dane DeHaan, but Dane DeHaan's very good in Chronicle. And Josh Trank did a very good job with Chronicle. And even the writer, Max Landis, did a good job with Chronicle. But every movie they made afterwards, interestingly, got worse and worse. And I think that's weird. And, like, like Chronicle was, like, their biggest hit. And, like, with Fan Four Stick, like, the studios didn't like what Trank was doing. The actors are kind of not feeling it. The movie, like, he got fired after, like like somewhere around the tail end of the production just before it's about to be released he releases a tweet where it's like this movie would have been so much better but it's not that's life though that's just like that's not good well all the self-pity i mean yeah oh (laughs) (laughs) making me feel like i have to feel sorry for you arthur (laughs) (laughs) you're Um, awful you're awful fox you're awful fox interview taking my movie adding extra scenes and having an inconsistent wig on Kate Mara and inconsistent facial hair on Miles Teller. 
You're awful. You just want to make fun of me. Okay, enough for the Joker shit. Uh, <laughs> we're going to be called edgy. Um, but yeah, um, I just don't like Fan Forestick. It's not well made. It's a slud. It's, sl- it's, it's just... It's not fun. It doesn't try to be cute. Like, and the trailer wasn't promising, but, like, I thought it would be, like, fine. Doctor Doom. Again. Yeah, Doctor Doom's the villain again. I honestly kind of like this one scene where he's walking through a corridor, and everyone he encounters, he disintegrates with his mind. It was kind of like, it almost, it almost felt like Josh Trank was like, if I could remake Scanners, this is how I'd do it. Oh, this wow. is how I'd remake Scanners. And it's like, well... Okay, then. But yeah, other than that, he's not a super strong villain. The final fight scene is the first... We don't even see much of a dynamic between the team because they don't team up together until the very, very end of the movie. Like, the last 20 minutes. They're separated all throughout the movie in various ways, and you don't see them bond as a team. You don't see them do a lot of superhero shit. And it's just miserable. Like, it's just not a fun movie like it could have been. Or not even a very intellectual movie like it should have been which is i think what josh trank was trying to do yeah but he got you know curtailed and it's yeah. unfortunate like a lot of movie a lot of bad superhero movies have that problem suicide squad oh, justice God. league ah you know like even like something like ant-man had some troubles with their director where it's like you kick him out and you replace him with someone else could have been better but we'll never know um, and yeah, it's like, Fan Force Stick is definitely like one of the worst superhero movies. I think I'd rather watch Batman Robin, if I'm being honest. That's saying something. Wow. Anyways, Evan, your, uh, next movie is a, a child, a childhood, uh, horror story. A childhood trauma. A ta- yeah, not, not. So, uh. No. We're gonna, Rose, I grew, you probably. No nostalgia for this one. You guys will probably understand where I'm going the second I mention his name. Dr. Zeus. My nana read me the storybooks. I grew up on that shit. Uh, the Cat in the Hat was one of my favorite Dr. Zeus stories. I also loved the Lorax. I loved the 500 Hats of Bartholomew Cubbins. Um, oh, the Places You'll Go, that one book that every uh, high school graduate gets as a graduation gift. Yes. <laughs> um, so, Dr. Zeus, it, I'm growing up in the mid to late 90s. I'm about four or five years old. Dr. Zeus stories are the fucking shit. Like, I love Dr. Zeus. It's awesome. Uh, I like reading it. But they only had, like, they, once in a blue moon, their books got turned into cartoons. Damn good cartoons. Like, there was Borlas Karloff with the Grinch. There was uh, uh, Alan Sherman, who voiced the cat in the hat in that cartoon. Then there was a Lorax cartoon and uh, Horton Hears a Who. Those are four that I can remember seeing. And I watched those, like, religiously when, uh, before, like, I went to, like, junior kindergarten. Like, that was my day with my Nana looking after me and my brother just watching those cartoons. Good times. Yeah, they're they're, they're classic. They're good. But then... Then, uh, in 2000, my mom took eight-year-old me to see The Grinch with Jim Carrey, directed by Ron Howard. I didn't really love the movie, but I didn't like hate it either. Like it's... I was, I was glad I saw it. It had some good laughs. Um, a lot of the jokes went over my head, though. It, and it was a fairly well-made movie. It really was. And Jim Carrey, I mean, he is a master of like. That was the first Jim Carrey movie I ever saw. Fun, oddly enough, and I couldn't. And you can't even recognize him under all that makeup. Which, by the way, uh, it's a kind of a widely known fact at this point. But he did have to consult with a Navy SEAL uh, on the set to teach him torture-resistant tactics because the makeup was so like 
obnoxious. So yeah. anyway, so so the Jim Carrey Grinch kind of gave me some hope. Like, what other Doctor Zeus stories could uh, be turned into like live action movies that look like this? Because the look of the Grinch was actually pretty awesome. Like, I'm not gonna lie. Like the set um, was cool. The designs of all the Who's were cool. I mean, they were mean spirited as fuck, but you know, it was a decent movie. Like, I I I will even still watch it like every Christmas once in a blue moon. Like, it, it's that good. Like, it's not a great movie, but it has some appeal that's grown on me over the years. I I cannot say the same thing about (laughs) the cat in the fucking hat with Mike Myers, directed by Bo. I don't give a fuck what his last name is. Oh my god. This is the worst movie I've ever seen in my life, but it had potential. I'll tell you this. I remember sometime in the early 2000s I was leaving a movie theater and I saw a teaser poster with the hat and the white glove thinking oh my god they're actually making a cat in the hat movie that's gonna be awesome and then I saw the picture of Mike Myers in the costume and he scared the shit out of me (laughs) and you know what um my mom took my brother and I to see it on a Sunday night we didn't see it opening night for whatever reason and seeing movies on Sunday nights kind of sucks like because you have a busy week and you have school the next morning and you have to go to bed as soon as you're done with the movie so yeah. already like the our circumstances to see this movie were not ideal so my brother and I were kind of, were like my brother also really was in a bad mood that night he didn't want to see the movie but my mom and I wanted to get it over with because it was Mike Myers. Mike Myers in the early late nineties, early two thousands. Mike Myers was on top of the world. Yeah, like he, I, I like Mike Myers for the most part. Yeah, like he did Austin Powers, uh, Austin Wayne, pa- Wayne's, Wayne's World, World uh, Shrek. Yeah, Shrek. Um, I'd say those are his three biggest things. Yeah, so those three, like Mike Myers, was a god. And when we heard he was going to play the Cat in the Hat, we had a lot of faith. So we go see the movie. And the opening credits were very heartfelt. Like, it, 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 they nailed the animation from the book perfectly with... They recreate the Universal logo the way Dr. Zeus would have drawn it. It's very heartfelt. It sucks from... After that, the movie is cringeworthy. And yeah. when I was a kid, going to the movie theaters was a magical experience. And even though I saw some movies in the theater that I can now look back on as bad, I never, like... hated my time at the movies like i liked going to the movies no matter what i saw my 11 year old ass was sitting in the theater at the cat in the hat cringing (laughs) okay no the by the time the cat got on screen the movie was over for me like i i honestly wish if i could go back and do something differently with my life i would have asked my mom mom can we go i don't like this and my mom would have said yep let's get the fuck out of here obviously not in that language but seriously and I've only seen this movie twice in my entire life. The second, the first time I watched it was in the theater and I never watched it again. The second time uh, was oddly enough very right before we recorded this episode yeah, because yeah, yeah. I had to do my homework to talk about the horror that this movie inflicted on me. Like this movie, I, I don't like it. I don't like it more. I actually hate it just as much as I hated it back then. Yeah, it's this is a, it's going to get it's I don't like I do not every movie is a is an experience even the bad ones is an emotional experience. This is one of the worst emotional experiences I've ever had with a movie. It pisses me off. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Uh check please. Yeah. I want my fucking money back Universal. This is a yeah, we saw it together tonight before we record this podcast and it was the first time I ever watched it all the way through. 
it's very short but it feels long and i i think if i had only one takeaway i'd say it's not a bad looking movie like i, no. like, I like the production design the I production like the... design looks like dr zeus yeah, they got like, that right. They nailed it. I felt like I was in a world. Well, with the exception of that fucking rave with Paris Hilton. Yeah, a lot of the... There's a lot of dated stuff, and there's a lot of, like, gags the, that just okay. don't land. The, the, the Grinch had one or two off-color jokes that were, like, too edgy for the... Even for the adults. Even some of the adults. Like, there's a joke in The Grinch where he flies face-first into this, like, lady's boobs, and she has this, Well, I never look on her face. Like, something you'd see. In, in like a, a comedy I thought, I thought you were going to talk about the scene where he like takes his dog Max and puts it in the mayor's mouth that, that, and that kisses, mo- oh, the God. mayor kisses the dog's ass like that movie that those two jokes are the most cringy like fucking yeah. jokes in the whole Grinch in the cat in the hat there is a cringy joke every five minutes yeah, or every two minutes it's pretty it, nasty like and Shrek is less disgusting than this and Shrek is the epitome of disgusting. That's the thing. Like the cat in the hat isn't likable in this movie. He's not charming. He's he doesn't really teach lessons that much. He's kind of just trying to be like Bugs Bunny, but like he's just mean spirited. No, and Bugs Bunny. And uh, gross Bugs Bunny. Bugs Bunny is charming. Like Bugs Bunny is not even unlikable. Bugs Bunny is amazing. And did you know that the guy who shot this movie, uh, Emmanuel Lebeski, he he's the same guy who shot the he like i'm by shot i mean like he was a cinematographer he was a cinematographer on birdman he was a cinematographer on the revenant gravity children of men the tree of life and uh sleepy hollow what was he thinking i know this is like i'm looking at his list and like the cat in the hat's like one of the more egregious things here like he has a great career and like he made this I can. Oh, there were some interesting shots in the movie here and there, but the script. I f- I want to punch the three or four people who wrote this shit. Like, yeah. And I don't get that feeling. I I don't hate a movie to the point where I want to assault the people who have to like who had something to do with it because I'm not a violent guy. But like, if I. Oh, I cannot stand the cat in the hat. Yeah. Let's just be done with it. Yeah. Well, not te- technically we aren't because my next pick is another Mike Myers movie that basically, and I, I, I like, Cat in the Hat hurt his career, but then he went on to make Shrek 2. Shrek 2 bounced him back. Yeah, and then... yeah. But this movie fucking annihilated Mike Myers' career, and that movie is none other than The Love Guru. The no, Love... I have not seen The Love Guru. The Love Guru is a tasteless, heartless, disgusting movie. That's just not funny at all. Mike Myers is playing this really unlikable character. He's not... Like, he, he's... I'd say he's a bit more unlikable in The Cat in the Hat. Because he's just, like, a dick to these kids and all the animals he sees. But um, the character he plays in Love Guru is just, like, this needlessly, like, crass and just, like, uncharismatic person. I don't... I don't want to spend, like, a, a feature-length runtime with his character, because he's not, he's just, like, not endearing in the slightest. He makes fun of little people. He, he... The guy who plays Mini-Me is in it. Yeah, yeah, Vern Troyer is in it. He's basically doing the same shtick he did in Austin Powers, but it's not as, it's not that fun anymore. The, 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 the innocence is wearing off hard. And, like, yeah, Jessica Alba's bad in the movie. 
Oh, Don't they poke fun at the worst hockey team ever? Sorry, Toronto. Oh, yeah, like uh, Toronto Maple Leafs play a crucial part of the movie where they win the Stanley Cup. <laughs> and Evan, Evan, you want to know how they won the Stanley Cup? How? Uh, Mike Myers drags two elephants onto the ice rink and they fuck. <laughs> what? <laughs> two elephants fuck each other on an ice rink. <laughs> that's how they win the game or something. I don't I well, that's, I'm so sorry, hockey fans or fans of the Toronto yeah, Maple Leafs. Just, yeah, Logan. Someday, is... without elephant fucking, we will win the cup. Yeah, Logan. Like, I Cat in the Hat sucks, but like the production design's good. I don't think there's a single redeeming quality about the Logan. I just hate that movie. It makes my skin crawl. Like, it just, it's nasty. Oh wow. Yeah, but like, I that's all I can say about Logan. Don't watch it if you have any right. To watch Mike Myers, just watch his SNL stuff, watch Wayne's World, watch Shrek. Maybe not all the Shreks, but, like, you know, the good ones. <laughs> and watch, like, Austin Powers, because that's, like, the stuff that I think his legacy will continue to be li- to be built on. Uh, so, like, I think I only have, like, two more things to say. Like, you wanted to bring up a certain Criterion movie that got on... Oh, yeah! Directed yeah. by a certain Michael of the Bay. Oh, Armageddon. And I'm going to talk about this 2000s movie with uh, Benefer. But we'll start with Okay, so Armageddon, we'll wrap it up. Armageddon is a flawed movie. I actually don't hate it. I, I really like it. Do you know, um, it actually became a tradition for me to watch Armageddon, like, the night before, uh, during exam time when I was in high school, because... It, it just, to feel the pressure. No, we, no, yeah, to feel the pressure. Like, <laughs> you seriously, like, you really feel the weight of, like, they're go- these inexperienced, like, roughnecks are slapped into NASA spacesuits, and like, yeah, go blow up an asteroid. And it's... I, I, it's what, it's not even so bad it's good. Like, Armageddon is, like, my biggest guilty pleasure, but I know it gets a lot of hate because, uh, bag, big action, sloppy editing, and... It's, it's not, it's not a thinking man's film by any means, and the fact that it's on the Criterion is very odd, because it is basically just a blockbuster, and I don't think it really caused a whole lot of new, it didn't set new ground and territory, in the world of cinema, I mean, it's it's just a dumb, fun movie. Yeah. And, like, it's one of these movies where I can watch and be like, you know how you're saying, like, I call it bullshit all the time when I'm watching movies. I see something, I'm like, that doesn't make sense. Like, ten seconds later, hey, that the guy's like, hey, how does this make sense? Oh, I know what you're getting at. And then, like, the movie is aware that it doesn't make sense, and anyone who points at it is just like, listen, asshole, we know it doesn't work, but we're gonna make it work. <laughs> Yeah, well, they're they're completely self aware that the whole idea yeah. of training astronauts to be or oil, no, tra- dr- oil drillers to be astronauts, not the other way around. Well, so. Ben Affleck pointed that out too, and it made it into the movie because they're like they know this idea is ludicrous, and mm. it, yeah, Armageddon is just a, a bonkers movie that I cannot help but love. And uh, Lyle and I have worked on a short film before. Um, we're, that's actually in post production right now. And the night before we went to camera, I actually to feel the pressure of what would become a very like unorthodox and like strenuous production. But we kicked ass as a crew. It was good. Um, I watched Armageddon to just get in the mood for the <laughs> intensity that would come. You, it's it, funny. It, you watched Armageddon. I watched uh, um, Living in Oblivion. Living in Oblivion. And both have Steve Buscemi. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I uh, guess. Yeah. Where the fuck is Wolf? <laughs> and in Armageddon, I don't mean to be the materialistic weasel of this group, but you think we'll get hazard pay out of this? <laughs> yeah. Anyways, 
So that's Armageddon. And now I'm going to... Speaking of Ben Affleck, let's talk... Our last movie of the night. We're going to talk about Geely. Yeah. Which is uh, maybe not the absolute worst movie ever fucking made, but definitely one of... Uh, a really good contender. Um, I love crime films, and I hate romantic comedies. And Geely is a combination of the two, but neither... Neither genre um, benefits the other. It's basically Ben Affleck is a guy named Geely who, like, wants to be this big, tough gangster in the city, yo. He wants to hit the <laughs> streets. He wants to do the hits. He wants to be the bad guy. Yeah. And so his main mission in the movie is he has to abduct an autistic uh, man who is the son of, I think it's the district attorney of the city. So if he has, I haven't like, seen this movie. No, you you have not seen this, but I'm describing. I this just too. know that one cringy line that J Lo. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. We will we'll talk about that later. <laughs> like five, give me five minutes. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I gotta break it down. I gotta break down this important <laughs> experience that I had. It's tranquility here. Yeah. I I gotta get this out. Um. So he kidnaps the the autistic man played by Justin Bartha, and I and then uh, he, he's just sitting in his house, and then J Lo wa- walks in. And he's like, "You fuck things up, boy." We're gonna, I got a reputation, and I'm gonna make sure you don't fuck things up. Also, I'm a lesbian. <laughs> I'm dead serious. So it's a rom-com with Ben Affleck and a lesbian. Hmm, chasing Amy much. And um, wasn't this made at the time when, like, he and J-Lo were they, Yeah, that's kind of another reason why this movie failed, because at the time, Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez were, were dating. They were an item. They were an item. They were all over the tabloids, all over the paparazzi. They loved every second of them. They called him Benifer. And it's like, it kind of, like, people just got tired of it. It's like, I'm sick and tired of seeing these fucking people all over the place. I don't want to see a movie with them now, because it's like, I'm sick of seeing them all the time. I don't care about them. So it's like, the movie, it's just, it's so fucking limp. Like, for a crime film, there's barely any sort of tension. There's one scene where Christopher Walken, who's like a police detective, literally walks into the movie, and he's like telling Julie, like, yo, you better watch it. I, I, I sense that there's something with you, and I'm gonna figure it out. And he, I shit you not. My favorite scene in the movie is him just going, you like pie? Yeah, we gotta have a nice pie with some some ice cream. Put some on top of your head. <laughs> your tongue will slap your brains out trying to get to it. Interested? <laughs> <laughs> and Ben Affleck is just standing there like, I don't know what the fuck is wrong with this guy. Yeah, yeah but I don't know, that was bad. Al Pacino also has a single scene where, like, he's just, like, confronting Benifer and Justin Bartha. And, like, it, there's a really awkward scene where, like, they have to sh- cut off the autistic man's uh, finger, but they don't want to do it because they like him Why too much. Why is there so much hate for the autistic guy? Oh my god, they really, really mistreat the autistic guy. Like, especially Ben Affleck's character. Like, he, like, yells at him, he argues with him, he slams him against so walls. So it's not charming, like, Rain Man or some and, shit. Uh, oh, Evan, you're gonna really hate this. There's one part where he has to fake a phone call and he takes out a flashlight. He's like, hello there. Yeah, sorry, there's no Baywatch today. Yeah. Oh, we just missed him. Sorry. Like, it's okay. Like, he literally talks down to this guy. He belittles him, mistreats him, and it's just awkward. Like, it's one of the worst treatments. Ableism, like, awareness in Hollywood. It's one of the worst treatments of an autistic person I've ever seen in a movie. And, like, the guy... I kind of don't want to watch the movie. All all Justin Bartha cares about... No, I will say, Justin Bartha 
even though most people only know him from Hangover and National, and National Treasure. Treasure, he is actually very good in Geely. He's very convincing as someone who's disabled mentally. He's very likable, actually. Like, you know, he's not an annoying presence in the movie. Yeah. Even though all he really cares about is being on Baywatch, which is, like, his favorite show. Yeah, and then, like, and then like Benifer, they, like, get together for no reason. <laughs> even though she's a lesbian, she's like, turkey time. Gabble, gabble. Ben Affleck's like, what? I know that line in, like, all those cringe <laughs> And the, it's such a passionless sex scene. Like, I, I am very attracted to Jennifer Lopez. That was one of, like, the cursed four movies that tanked Ben's career. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna film. get to that, yeah. But it's, like, after that sex scene, which I'm like, you think Jennifer Lopez, like, you, you'd really want to having a passionate wild night with j-lo but ben affleck and her they just look so bored and it's weird because they have no chemistry even though they're dating and it's kind of like i think it's just a strain on their relationship too yeah anyway so like yeah the movie did no one any favors after it was released like ben affleck struggled to get work afterwards jennifer lopez struggled to get work afterwards and she kind of just receded back into her music career for a while and Ben Affleck had to, like, do quite a lot of bombs in order to eventually get into things like, you know, like The Town, or, like, Argo, or, like, he started Gone direct- Girl. He started directing, yes, and even Gone Girl, that was a good movie. I, I actually don't hate Ben Affleck, unlike most people sometimes. He's like, not a hateable actor. Like, he's- I He's done some he's, shit, but he's not- He doesn't- Like, go watch Good Will Hunting and tell me that you hate Ben Affleck, because I, I think he's really great in Well, that. actually, uh, the, the hate he was getting- Because- the thing about Ben Affleck was he started as this actor who was like typecast as like bully characters, like in Dazed and Confused. Yeah, and he's Mall a bully Rats. character. In that. Uh, he was the, his first roles. He was bully characters, but then uh, when he did Good Will Hunting, that changed the stigma. He's still a stupid, like a, a dim-witted character in Good Will Hunting, but there was a, he, yeah, hate, he has a heart to him. He really does. But the hate for him in the film community was actually so strong that there was a conspiracy theory in Hollywood going around that. Ben Affleck and Matt Damon hired a ghostwriter to make Goodwill Hunting. And yeah. the guy who was suspected of writing Goodwill Hunting in actuality actually debunked this whole theory and said, No, I did not write this at all. Ben Affleck and D- Matt Damon are that fucking good. Yeah, I, I wish they would collaborate more again. I want to see, I, I want to see a movie with them together again. And I, I even like Ben Affleck as Batman. Like, I think he's pretty good, actually. Yeah. Despite, like... Just fact, don't have the collaboration be, like, Matt Damon is Jason Todd or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Damon gets clubbed with a crowbar. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Matt Damon really wants to be Daredevil, and Ben Affleck beat him to it. <laughs> oh. Their yeah. poor friendship. Yeah. Oh, and, and the director of Geely, like, um, Martin Brest, who you might know, directed um, Scent of a Woman. Went on How the fuck did he go from that I, I to will, this? I will tell you, because the thing is, Martin Brest didn't write Scent of a Woman. He wrote Geely, though. And he never directed another thing afterwards. Oh, God. So he didn't write Scent of a Woman. He he didn't write. He he, okay. he directed it. That's okay. all. Yeah, yeah. Geely is like the worst Tarantino movie you'll ever see. <laughs> it's just such a weak crime film. It's just such a weak romance. It's just like everything about it is limp. So, yeah. Yeah, we went through a huge amount of yeah. bullshit tonight, my friend. Uh, so I guess uh, this is goodbye. Until next time, uh, if you're listening to this, uh, hit subscribe. Uh, yeah. Tune in to Anchor FM for more content to come, so to speak. 
so to speak. Mm -hmm.